Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by America's Choice Windows, where you'll get 10 windows for just $36.80. Hello, Brandon. How are you today? Yes, I'm doing good. Just calling from Munster. Um, I, I love Munster. I come up there in April for your guys' uh, little German fest German up there. German fest, yeah. And and I do put my full lather hosing on, and my wife wears a journal. We do the whole thing. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. I got a question on wallpaper about taking the backing off. You have to get the backing off before you put the texture on. Well, do you have a paper wallpaper, or is it a vinyl? It's paper. If it's paper and it's on nice and tight, yes. in other words, it's not peeling, you yes. actually can go over it. Uh, what yeah. you would what you would do is get a a uh, a primer sealer. Get go get some Zinser primer sealer, and, yes. and paint it, and that seals it up. And anything that would be loose is going to kind of expand out at that point. You can cut off the the little pieces that bubble up. Take some sheetrock mud and float out the joints and the places that bubbled up, and you're ready to texture. Okay, that sounds great. Yeah, it's much easier than trying to peel it all off, but it's only good if it's paper wallpaper. If you right. got a, a vinyl or one of the uh, metal types, can't do it. Right. That sounds great. I really enjoy the show. Thank you, Brandon. Have a great weekend. Oh, bye. Hard telling somebody to have a great weekend when you just gave them a weekend or two worth of work to do. Rebecca, how can I help you today? Hi there. I had a question about gutters. We put up gutters last year on our 32-year-old home. And when we bought the home three years ago, we had an engineer check out, like, to see the measurements, to see how much it had moved if there was foundation problems. And he said it's one of the best houses he's seen. It's barely moved. But since we put gutters, we've noticed, that there's more cracking and it seems like the, a door is sticking in our bathroom and it seems like things are moving and the foundation isn't evenly, um, it's just having problems. So I was wondering, yep. should we take the gutters down? Seems more of a problem. The only time I recommend gutters going up is if you're having water ponding by the home or something like that, you know, where the water can't drain away by itself well enough. Mm -hmm. But if mm -hmm. the water was draining away from the home properly... Yes, take the gutters back off because what you've done is changed the moisture content of the soil. Yes, now, that's what we've noticed. Yeah, and th that's not to say that there couldn't be other factors playing into this, like the trees and, and things like that. But in general, unless unless there's a uh, outside reason causing the problem, don't use gutters. Over driveways, patios, doors... I love gutters. For the rest of my house, I want the water to drain naturally. Awesome. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Rebecca. B, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Yes, I would like to ask you what kind of liquid plumbing I can use in my shower. In my, my shower? The water to, won't go down? None. The, the liquid uh, drain stuff just doesn't do what they advertise it does. Uh, if your shower's not draining, and did it all of a sudden stop draining, or, or is it was it a slow build up where it got slower and slower? Yes. 
Okay. It was, yeah, it was like that. If it got slower and slower, that's normally caused by a buildup in the drain itself of hair and soap scum and things like that. And to fix that problem, you normally just take the grate off, and you can either run a hand crank snake down through there, or they make just a a little plastic uh, strip that has little barbs coming off of it that you slide down there. It'll hook the hairs, pull it out. It's kind of nasty to do it, but it'll clean that out and get it running like it should. You can dump tons of liquid plumber and different things in there, and it's not going to break that clog loose and make it take off like you see on the TV commercials. That's just mm-hmm. a, an over-exaggeration of what those products are capable of doing. Not to mention, if it's harsh enough to to dissolve all that stuff, what's it doing to the rest of the pipes, not only in your home, but throughout the city's municipal water supply? And eventually that stuff goes into the sewer system that's got to be treated. It is just not a good program for people to be dumping all those chemicals. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Take care. Uh, really, if 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 you've got a shower draining slow like that, you got a sink draining slow, go pick you up one of the hand crank type snakes, and they'll they'll go down through those p traps, clean them out, and get things flowing for you again. It's much easier and and much better for the environment and everything else to do that. And believe me, I am not. A big environmentalist. I just, I just know that these products don't perform the way they always talk about them. This email question just came in. Do you know the difference between the different types of smoke detectors out there? Well, Jason, there are a ton of different types of smoke detectors. You got some that are just plain smoke. You got some that are smoke and heat related. Some that are uh, smoke and carbon monoxide detectors combined I personally try to keep them separated and the main reason for it this is all sensitive technology and if I have one piece of the technology go out I don't necessarily want to replace all of it my experience has been that the smoke detectors and carbon monoxide detectors tend to break at different speeds The carbon monoxide, for some reason, tends to last much longer. So why do I want to combine these things and have issues with them? So if you're going out looking for smoke detectors, just get a regular smoke detector and then put whatever else you want to detect, get a detector for that. They are all readily available as separate type items. I have a great wood structure cabinets, but they are outdated. I believe I can redo them myself. Can you give me great tips and advice on how to start products to use so I do not have to use the Rust-Oleum kits offered at Home Depot for the transformation thanks so much I have heard you talk about this on your show before but of course wasn't thinking of doing this at the time best regards Wanda well Wanda here's the first thing you gotta do is clean the cabinets up real good use a combination of mineral spirits and linseed oil and what that does is it cleans all the oil and grime buildup off of them. You're going to mix that mineral spirits and linseed oil to about a 50-50 mix and then use a double knot steel wool to wash the cabinets down. 
And that's just, like I said, to take all the grime off of everything. Then, if you're wanting to paint them, the next thing I would do is, if there's any of the pieces that are on those cabinets that can come off that you don't like the looks of, and, I, and I'm going to use my own house as an example. I had Spanish-style architect from the 70s, early 70s. And there was one section of cabinets I just plain did not want to tear out and redo. Well, I removed one of the board faces that was added to the drawers and to the cabinets, puttied up the holds and everything, sanded it down after I cleaned everything up good. Then you use a product called Peso. And it's nothing more than a deglosser since this is natural wood that you have that has a finish on it. You put this deglosser on there. After you've done that, you're ready to paint it with an oil-based paint. Yes, I know there's a lot of accolade paints out there nowadays that are water-based and that's supposed to be replacing the oil-based. I still prefer the oil-based paint. So I'm going to put the oil base on there and it's going to look gorgeous. If you can use a sprayer, it looks much better than brushing it on, but there is nothing wrong with brushing it on. Use a brush made for oil-based paint so you don't leave big streaks and st or uh, lines in your paint and stuff, and it'll, it'll look gorgeous when it's done. And you know the best part about it when you do cabinets that way? If you don't like the looks of it, you can change it again. You're not stuck with keeping it that way. It's as simple as changing the color paint. If you're looking at doing, like Herta was asking about, a sunroom or any type of room addition, do not build on patios. Do not build on driveways. Do not build on 4-inch concrete. Because if it moves, it is not repairable. At that point, you end up tearing the structure off and starting from ground up. And yes, it will cost a little bit of money to go ahead and put the foundation in the way it should be, but it's not near as expensive as having to tear everything off and start from scratch. So keep that in mind if, if you're looking at doing any type of remodeling or additions. Let's talk with, uh, is it Ahmed? How are you? I'm good. How are you today? Uh, I was the guy. There was a problem with that name. I wish it was like Sam or Ron or all this. It's easier <laughs> to say than Ahmad or Ahmed or, you know. <laughs> I told him that's why I lose the election. <laughs> I wish I changed it when I got my citizenship years ago. No, I'm okay. <laughs> Jim, I'm good in the business side, but the technical side, you are the best at it. My daughter this morning was talking to me about the house in Kansas built in 1945. Sir, what do you think of that? I thought of a price, but I think I didn't think of the technicality. If you're buying a house like built in 45, why would you buy it? I mean, why do you buy it if the price is right and all this? Why you wouldn't? buy it what do you be afraid of and what do you look for when you buy an old house like this even if it looked like in good shape the, the items that you want to check is the electrical wiring because if it still has the original wiring you can figure you're going to have to replace it before long uh-huh because the electric wiring in 1945 had cloth on the outside that has been deteriorating and it starts becoming an electrical hazard so that'll be the number one thing to check. The water pipes, 
more than likely have been replaced already since then, but you'll want to find out when. Uh, same with the sewer lines. And then uh -huh. beyond that, the other issues you run into in those old homes like that, there's no insulation in the walls. Insulation can be insulation can be added. So if it doesn't have it, it can be added. But again, that's just more expense. Uh, window, the windows in those old homes were extremely drafty, but that can uh -huh. be fixed as well. Um, other than that, those old homes are great. And honestly, oh, really? if I had my choice of buying a home that was built in 1999 or one that uh -huh. was built in the 40s, I'd probably be looking at the house in the 40s. Especially in a historical uh, city like Fort Scott, Kansas, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're just gorgeous architecture and, and woodwork in them and things like that. One last thing to take a look at that, that I, I forgot to bring up. In the concrete, you'll want to take a look, a serious look at the concrete because in some of the homes in that era, they didn't put steel in the concrete at all. Oh, okay. And, and so if there's really wide cracks in the concrete, and I'm talking stuff that's a half inch wide or, thick or wider, that's an indication of one I would avoid. Uh, it's not something can be repairable? Is it repairable or not really? Not really. Okay. Then, Jim, you're always great. Uh, it's a good program. We're always learning from you. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks, Take Jim. Your score was good to listen to. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. You bet. Thank we'll you. talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you. 713-212-5874. And again, if you're outside the Houston area, hey, we'll still talk with you. 866-937-0003. And Dan, I know you're, you're on the line. If you'll hold on, I'm going to jump on your call after we come back from news, traffic, and weather because I don't want to get started and not be able to finish you out. So I, I, w I would like to talk just a, a hair bit more on looking at older homes. There is architecture and details in these old homes that you just will not be able to afford to do on newer homes. Uh, if I was really looking for a nice, gorgeous old home to redo, you know, the, the houses in the 40s, there's some really nice ones. They were typically smaller homes. If you can go back to the homes that were built in the late 1800s into, up until about 1920, 1930, they were usually a larger home. They were, had tall ceilings in them. They had uh, large rooms in them. All wood on the walls and everything so you can put a nail any place you want it they are just plain gorgeous homes and really great to work on that's a house worth redoing so if you get the option to get one of those take a look and but do watch the electrical watch the plumbing all these things we were just talking about because that's all stuff that will cost you money when you need to redo them Thanks for listening to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast. Now, I would love your help. If you enjoy listening to Texas Home Improvement anytime you want, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast. Help us reach more people and grow the show in Texas and beyond. Please visit iTunes or wherever you listen and leave us a review. 
Interesting little email question that came in. We'll be building a home in the country with three and a half baths and two sinks in the kitchen. I want to go with a tankless water heater due to the risk of the tank one going bad. Is a tankless the way to go? What are your thoughts on this? Will it be able to keep up with washing dishes, taking a shower, and running laundry at the same time? This water heater is sized. They take a look at how many fixtures are in the house, washing machine, dishwashers, the whole nine yards, and you size it to run everything at once. So to answer that part of the question, absolutely it should be capable of doing it if it was sized properly. Now, as far as a tank water heater going bad versus a tankless, typically the life expectancy of a tankless water heater is almost twice that of a tank type water heater. So yes, you will get a lot more time out of it. And the next time you're thinking about putting in a water heater, start thinking about what you paid for that tank type water heater. Get a price on a tankless. In some situations, it's not cost effective because you gotta run new gas line or heavier electric lines and things like that. But price it anyways. If you're gonna be staying in the house and you don't want to have to worry about changing it out again it may be cost effective to go ahead and go tankless if you're building new construction tankless is the only way to go got an email that came in I want to read real quick I'm in the process of building a new house we will have wraparound porches around the entire house we have two by four exterior walls I'm going to wrap the entire house with radiant barriers should I use fiberglass insulation or cellulose insulation. Personally, I have read a lot of good about the blow-in cellulose insulation and really liked it, but I would like to get your take on it. Well, Brian, I hate cellulose insulation. And the main reason I do, it degrades as it ages. And by that I mean, once it hits usually around 30 years old, 25, 30 years old, it starts turning to dust, it breaks down. That's the biggest reason I like fiberglass insulation. It doesn't break down, it doesn't degrade with age. So, for me, I would avoid the cellulose insulation. The good stuff that you read about it, yes, it is sound deadening. Yes, they put glue in it to hold it into place and all that kind of stuff. That still doesn't keep it from degrading as it ages. So if you're looking at putting in some new insulation on a new construction, foam insulation in the walls, fiberglass in the attic. That's what I would recommend. Jonathan, welcome to KRLD. How can I help you? Yes, sir. Um, I was wondering, when is the best time of year to buy or build a house? Well, truthfully, there is no such thing. Not on, no, not on buying or, or building, because on buying a home, especially right now, it's a seller's market. So whenever you find the house that you're looking for, you better jump on it, because three days later, it will be gone. Uh, as far as building, it's such a long process when you're building that, you know, whenever you can get started is fine. About the only thing I would tell you on building a new home is during the Christmas holiday, during the Christmas break, you can expect it to be a little more difficult to get contractors out 
and doing their jobs because so many of, of the uh, workers will take off a week or two during the holidays. But other than that, it's a year-round thing. Uh, you know, a lot of times I, I do foundation repair and plumbing and, and air conditioning, and a lot of times people say, oh, I, I don't want the guys to have to work when it's hot out. Well, they want to work when it's hot out because if they're not working, they're not making money. They, they get used to it. So don't worry about the contractors. Worry more about as far as when's it convenient for you to have the building done and, you know, when are you ready to occupy it? That That's what you really have to base it on. Okay, thank you. You bet. Have a great afternoon. And, and that is a, a good question, though, because there are certain things that at different times of year you will get better discounts. Um, air conditioning, as an example. During the hottest part of the summer, there's typically not a whole lot of discounts out there because the AC contractors are swamped. But if you are needing a new system and you wait and your system can make it till, like, uh, well, typically when temperatures drop below 85, AC contractors slow way down. So in the Dallas area here, spring and fall are some of the best times to be buying an AC system to be installed. Because in summer and winter, they're busy either doing air conditioning systems or heaters. But the spring and fall is a slow season you a lot of times can get better rebates, better discounts, better pricing all the way around. Uh, if it comes to painting your home, whether it's inside or out, can make a difference. Outside, you want to, you know, contact people to do it during, uh, typically during when summer months. When it's hot, people some, somehow, like I was just saying, oh, I don't want to have somebody doing it. And the contractors are looking for work to do. Vice versa, though, for inside work, wintertime, especially around the holidays between Thanksgiving and Christmas, most people don't want their house worked on. Contractors love to be able to get jobs during that time frame to keep their guys busy. My home is much like a beach house with a subfloor of one and an eighth inch with another top of three eighths. Of course, the underfloor will be insulated in, in plywood. They are asking about a vinyl plank flooring that they want to put down. Question is, when installing the lock-in floating floor, is the moisture barrier actually needed? The vinyl plank has a rubber backing. Thank you. Well, here's the deal. If you're going to put a floating floor and you want the manufacturer to warrant that floating floor, you will use the backer material that they recommend. Otherwise, if there's an issue, they'll simply say it wasn't installed per manufacturer's recommendations. And they're right. They will not have to cover it. So, in reality, that vinyl floor probably would act as a moisture barrier to protect your flooring, but in practicality, you need to go ahead and put the uh, the vapor barrier that the manufacturer recommends in order to maintain that factory warranty. If you don't, you could be on your own on it. 
you've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com. 